Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Welcome to the Mystery to Me podcast. I'm Anya Kane. And I'm Kevin Greenlee. And we love movies and television shows with a whiff of mystery. Mystery to Me will feature us riffing on murder mysteries, film noir, cozy detective stories, police procedurals, psychological thrillers, legal dramas, tales of teen sleuths, and more. Once we're done yucking it up about whatever we've just seen, we'll serve up our five-star final takes on whether it's worth your time. If you're offended by silliness, profanity, political asides, canine-related interruptions, and losers laughing at their own bad jokes, beware. Also note that some of the stories we'll be talking about are pretty dark, and in some cases exceptionally badly written. So content warning for murder, violence, suicide, torture, rape, racism, misogyny, homophobia, transphobia, and bigotry. If there's a movie or show you'd like for us to talk about, email us at mysterytomepodcast at gmail.com. Our show's take on genre is pretty loosey-goosey. So as long as your suggestion has some dash of mystery, we're interested in hearing about it. Spoiler alert! We're going to be discussing the entirety of this show or movie, spoilers and all. So if you want to be surprised, press pause, go watch the thing, then join us for the show. Now that you've heard our spiel, go ahead and polish off those magnifying glasses and slip into your favorite trench coat. Let's get mysterious. just watched Laura, the 18th episode of season 7 of Magnum P.I., an episode which aired February 25th, 1987. And we are actually recording this uh, on the 107th anniversary of the birth of Mr. Francis Albert Sinatra. And why is that relevant in terms of this podcast? Well, Mr. Kevin Greenlee... The co-host, co-producer, co-everything. 
my love of my life uh, is a huge Frank Sinatra fan. No other reason. <laughs> no, uh, Sinatra guest starred in this episode of Magnum, and it was one of his last major acting appearances, as I understand it. He, of course, passed away uh, in 1998. I, I think I read that he was offered a number of scripts by the creators of the show, by the producers, and he picked he picked Laura. He thought it was the best one, and having just watched this, I can say I think he picked correctly. I think he had a good sense. This is a really good episode, guys! <laughs> You unironically loved the episode. Oh, I loved it. I thought it was terrific. It was really tense and disturbing, and uh, and it's kind of interesting. I think you just said something as we were kind of setting up for tonight, and I'll steal it. You know, people think of Magnum P.I. as very chill show, very, like, nice vibes. You know, uh, Selleck putting out himbo vibes. You know, he's this kind of doofy guy, very handsome, cool mustache, hangs out in a rich guy's house in Hawaii and has a dream life. So you kind of think, oh, man, it's just all chillaxed. We're all having fun here. But, you know, as as Kevin pointed out, they, they cranked out some pretty intense episodes. And, and and I think this was one. I mean, this is, I mean, to mem- for to my memory, I have not seen every Magnum P.I. episode. What? No, I'm sorry. Our, our, our marriage is built what? on that lie. <laughs> so sorry you're finding what? out this way. <laughs> what are you even doing with your life? <laughs> For, for, uh, pretending to be a Magnum P.I. super fan, I guess. <laughs> now, you have seen every episode of Kojak. Uh, pulls collar. <laughs> You've definitely seen every episode of Sanford and Son. Uh... <laughs> so, la- you, you were always faking a heart attack. <laughs> this is one of, I, I didn't know I was cribbing that from, from Red Fox. Mm. No, that, so uh, my joke was that you're a secret heart-to-heart fan. And your joke is that I lied to you about being a fan of all your favorite shows. <laughs> yes, you, you constructed uh, a fake identity in order to uh, lure me into your matrimonial trap. Oh, my God. If I had a dime for every time a guy said that to me. <laughs> you're, you're a schemer. I'm a schemer. It's true. it's true. I was an innocent dupe in the affair. I was just strolling along, minding my own business. You could say that about anything you're involved with. <laughs> yeah, I'm always minding my own business. You can say that about you're just, anything. You're just a dupe. <laughs> you saw an easy mark. I'll get this character to fall in love with me, make an honest woman out of me. <sighs> well, you were a con d- woman down by the, the docks. <laughs> yeah, Run, the, running the, your shell games. The docks of Indianapolis. <laughs> Doing your three-card money. Slipping sailors, Mickey's. It's a living. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I'd rather be. I mean, it seems much easier to be a, a sort of a gentleman's private detective who gets to stay in his house and hang out with his butler. <laughs> now that's the life in Hawaii. Damn. Yeah, the premise of uh, Magnum PI is Magnum. Uh, formerly involved with uh, naval intelligence. He leaves the military, become a private detective. He's not super successful at it, but he solves a case for a famous writer named Robin Masters, who's never actually seen on the show. Robin Masters has a huge estate in Hawaii. He then makes a deal with Magnum, 
provide security for my estate, and I'll let you live there rent-free, and you have the use of my Ferrari. Pretty cool. Yeah. Good premise. And then it's about him and his wacky Very friends. Very similar to the deal I offered you. Yeah, obviously. What was that case I saw for you? It was the Morales affair. <laughs> I think it was the case of your missing heart, which it was revealed at the end that I stole. I had to go in for a heart transplant. <laughs> that was you? It's like that One Tree Hill episode where they accidentally drop a, a heart on the floor and a dog eats it. <laughs> that dog was Lanny. Yeah, spoiler I was the, alert. <laughs> I was the person who dropped the heart. I'm binging One Tree Hill, and you're like giving oh, me know. this big plot <laughs> twist. I don't think a lot of our audience. I don't know. Shout out if you're a One Tree Hill fan, and you know, tell me that you that you're pissed at what I did just there. But I, I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> All the One Tree Hill stands. I was more of an OC gal, so I don't really. I don't even know what you're talking about. Just rambling. <laughs> I, I never watched any of those programs. Uh, yeah, I was. You're just like throwing random words and letters together. But I, I did watch. I was more of a BLT man myself. I did watch Rainbow Tree Heights, so you know what. <laughs> I always love Shadow Trail Hills. Yes, uh, the the books I'm looking at are Boston Murders, Chicago Murders. Those aren't funny titles. I can't think of anything now. <laughs> yeah, she's she's trying to steal material by looking at titles of books. Homicide special. <laughs> and in the process, she's revealing a lot of information about our sick library. <laughs> I know, yeah, Jesus Christ. Hope oh, no one ever zooms in on that while we're on a Zoom call. Yeah, we, we should probably. Yeah, books. I know Jesus. I'm just that's upsetting. Jesus, I'm not even going to get into what that what that is. But yeah, yeah, Anya is a journalist, and she often appears on Zoom on various news programs. And if people would actually look at the books behind her, which she thinks makes her look smart, you see very, very disturbing titles. Official and Confidential, The Secret Life of J. Edgar Hoover. And that's not the worst one, folks. <laughs> I, Island of Vice, Kill the Dutch. Kill the Dutchman. It's funnier my life. <laughs> Bodyguard of Lies? Uh, Brutes, Beasts, the, and Human Fiends. The truth is so the precious. The Kevin Greenlee story. <laughs> the truth is so precious and must be protected by a bodyguard of lies. That's what that was. What's that? That's the old saying. that uh, Wasn't that Winston Churchill who said that? That's the dumbest shit I've ever heard. What? You're shitting on Winston Churchill? Yes. Yeah, you're, you're, you're Neville Chamberlain over here. I'm not Neville. I'm just saying. I've been watching too many Sherlock Holmes, uh, Basil Rathbone movies. That's what well, that, I think. That's definitely true. That's, that's I've seen way too many of those. You can't, you can't ignore that, obviously. And that's on your head. X-rated. A gallery of old rogues. Oh, cop, cop to just, call just, girl. The Anya Kane story. Just speaking of uncomfortable topics, how does this episode open? I remember, uh, of course, uh, Churchill had his greatest accomplishment oh by uh, defeating Hitler during World War II. Uh, one movie that was popular during that general area was the uh, Otto Preminger film, Laura. Oh, incidentally, that happens to be the name of the episode of Magnum P.I. we saw today. Uh, how did that episode open on you? <laughs> That's just embarrassing. We, uh, well, we, we open um, on a neglectful babysitter allowing a little girl to um, 
you know, kind of go outside to play with her ball because she won't let her play with her ball inside. And then that's intercut with a guy doing a ridiculous Irish accent at some sort of benefit dinner in some sort of, like, hall. He's talking about how the Bronx was great because uh, this one guy worked here and, and going on and on and on. And then you're seeing, you know, you're kind of intercutting this little girl playing in the hallway and this uh, this awards ceremony dinner where um, a woman and her father, who's the man being awarded, who's played by Frank Sinatra, are being sort of faded. They're sitting up front. Yeah, Sinatra is a detective with the uh, New York police, and he is retiring. And, and he, he apparently worked in the Bronx, where I think you have a family connection. Yeah, my, my mom's from south bronx and this this is a detective sergeant michael donahy dohini dohini is he supposed to be italian or irish i couldn't figure that out i don't know <laughs> very ambiguous <laughs> but uh so he gets a watch nice but meanwhile uh unfortunately uh things are ominous in the hallway and uh, this, this, yeah, notably this uh, Genesis song, Tonight, 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 is playing. To, and that's going to be important, in, you know, throughout the episode. And I think, it's, I think it's a pretty interesting choice and one that I wouldn't think would work, but does. But uh, this person wearing uh, red shoes picks up the, the little girl's ball and you just see her looking up at him. And it's like, oh, no. Oh no! And then just just like that, you just we go back to Hawaii to Magnum PI, and you're kind of like, ooh, that didn't give me that was there's something some bad shit happened there, obviously, but yeah, it kind of sets it up without laying it out, you know, like it, it it sort of like sets the tension in motion for the episode where you're kind of like, okay, what happened with that? What the hell's going on? Kind of you kind of can figure it out pretty easily, uh, based on the way the rest of the episode goes, but it's like. It's done artfully enough that you still have some tension about it, I think, which is kind of interesting. Even though I, I knew what I mean, I knew what was happening, but I was still like, ugh. It's it's a rough episode, guys. It's it's pretty gritty. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, goofball Magnum is trying. What's he up to? He's you know doing something that takes on greater significance later. But at the time, it was just Magnum goofing off. He's got he's got his little camera, video camera, video camera, and he's taping himself talking to the camera about like hey i'm magnum i'm a private detective here's what that means and you, know, and you don't know what he's doing you're like what, what kind of fucking thing he, is he says he's like for some kind of documentary yeah documentary he's getting into like some sort of like netflix true crime deal probably that's what i guess you know <laughs> and so you know they're just doing their normal thing uh you know so it's like we're going from the bronx at christmas to you know evergreen hawaii back to what we're used to and he gets offered by his friend, his friend Rick, Rick, an opportunity to work on a missing persons case for a lot of money, like an unusual amount of money for basically what it will amount to two days of work. And he's suspicious, but he's like, okay. And they go to, and they're, they're driving around, usual delightful Magnum antics. One minute he's, you know, uh, playfully filming and waving at a, a group of girls in hot bikinis and then the next minute they pull up too far and then he's filming all these pigs in a truck so just we're all having a good time and uh they go into this a bar sort of like club area to like interrogate or you know talk to this 
creepy manager who might have the this this missing person, a guy named Geiger working for him. And the story that they've been told is that Geiger is this rich kid who ran off with the family gems and they need to get him back, basically, you know, casual. Then in the middle of all this, Frank Sinatra bursts in slams this manager on the bar there's a, a the big fist fight everyone's fighting frank sinatra's yelling things you don't understand pulling a gun <laughs> is that how you became a fan of him that's <laughs> <laughs> this music will take charge and slam slam your head against a bar <laughs> counter <laughs> well, how did you get into his music initially actually i did i did want to ask you that because you kevin is a huge frank sinatra fan that's his favorite artist of all time Yes. Uh, I was, I became a huge fan of the uh, music and lyrics of uh, Cole Porter. And at some point I bought a compilation CD of different artists takes on Cole Porter songs. And one of those was uh, Mr. Sinatra doing uh, I Get a Kick Out of You. And his uh, take on that was so infectious and witty and delightful i had to get more and the next thing i know i as you know we have all of his studio recordings that were legitimately released a huge number of bootleg recordings huge number of concert recordings we love him in this household we're big francis albert sinatra fans in this household uh what what do you think you know for people who might you know everyone's aware of frank sinatra but like for people who might you know just kind of know him from like you know the songs everyone knows what, what's so special about him? How would you sum it up? He's very emotional, and he really uh, acts the lyrics of the songs that he sings. And in this episode, he really acts. Like, like it's intense. He's go- he's a good actor. He's a good actor. I mean, he's obviously a great singer, and, and, and what you're saying is true, but, like, he's also a good actor. Yeah, I think you were surprised by how well he did in some of these scenes. Yeah, I was like, shit. Because I was kind of like, you know, I was like, you, you know, you told me about this episode, and I was like, I'm sure it's going to be good. I'm sure it's going to be good. But I was a little bit, the thing that gave me a little bit, I'm like, you know, he's going to be kind of older at this point. You know, is he going to be, like, it's going to be an intense role. So, like, what, you know, is he going to, is he going to bring, like, the energy or the intensity to it? And, like, he did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Definitely he did. brought his intensity to everything. Yes. Um. So, anyways, uh, Magnum ends up teaming up with Sinatra. They, they chase the, somebody allegedly who's supposed to be Geiger, uh, in, through like some sort of like mail, you know, mailbox station. That guy ends up getting hit by a bus. You see, he has these red shoes and you're like, Oh shit. He was the guy with that little girl in that opening scene. And, uh, you know, and, and, but Magnum's like, what the fuck was that? Because he's like that no rich kid who like ran away with the family gems would like throw himself into traffic to get away from like the worst thing that can happen is that he has to give the gems back. The parents aren't going to press charges. He's an adult. He can stay here in Hawaii. Like, you know, it, the, it, the whole thing didn't make any sense. I will uh, note for the record that the scene in which this character dies, we don't actually see his death. We see him running. And then uh, a couple of quick cuts later, we see, Sinatra standing over the man's body after he has been hit by a car. Oh, shit. I did not pick that up. 
Oh, no. That's why I earned the big bucks. Wow. Shit. Oh, I'm not a very astute observer there. That's a really good point. That will co- That's important later. Interesting. And I think the Tonight, Tonight, Tonight song starts playing again. Yeah. And, you know, that song starts with kind of like a kind of like a kind of creepy sound. And, like, you know, you say, uh-oh, something's bad's happening. You know, kind of a claustrophobic sort of grunt, you know, like, ugh. I think it's a song about, like, addiction or something. So it's kind of, you know, something bad is happening. Something bad is happening. Mm-hmm. So Magnum does some research, try to figure out what's going on. And he learns that... Uh, well, he learns that uh, these men were two men were associated. He learns that Geiger was the person who we thought was Geiger who was killed was actually another man named I think Dustin. Yeah, Dustin Murray. And he learns that Dustin Murray and Geiger were associated with an open murder case in the Bronx where Doheny used to work before he retired, and that the victim in the case was Doheny's granddaughter, who had been. I think she's like five or six, and she had been raped, viciously beaten, and then dumped in an alley where she died. Yeah, and so I was like, oh, shit. So Magnum realizes that uh, Dahini has come to Hawaii basically to hunt down and kill the people who killed his granddaughter. Yeah, and it's like, ah, this is definitely more intense fare than your usual Magnum P.I. episode. Some of the episodes are pretty dark. That's true, but like what you, this isn't necessarily what you're, the people come to associate the show with. Yeah, yeah. This one, this one's dark, and like you know, but it, it's it's I think it's it's pre- pretty fucking well executed because the thing about being associated with being more of a light show and doing a dark episode is that if you fuck that up, it's bad. Like you know, like no, like like you're because you're not. It's like we're not having fun, and this is not well written. So like. There's more pressure when you're doing a darker episode because it's like at least if you're, it's kind of a dumb light episode, no one's no one walks away offended, no one walks away angry. Maybe you're just like, oh, that was kind of fluff, but it's like you know, it's like I'll just have some cotton candy. I won't remember it later. It's not like super tasty. It's not nutritious, but like I could, it's fun to eat. But you fuck up a dark episode or a dark topic like this, and you know, you look ridiculous. Yeah, you look the fool. You look the fool. But in this, they're they're. I guess the you know the the, uh, the kind of pinnacle of all this, because basically you have Sinatra investigating these these killers, and Magnum sort of investigating Sinatra and figuring out like, who is this guy, what is he doing, why did he come here, and this all sort of culminates where uh, Sinatra's wandering around the sleazy areas of uh, Honolulu, uh, looking for Geiger, and then Magnum is looking for him. And then Paige, who's like the the cop in town, Magnum's contact, mm-hmm. sort of love-hate relationship, is walking around trying to find Magnum. So it's like all of this is happening and then, you know, the you know, the Genesis song is playing, so you know things are things are gonna get a little crazy. Magnum knows that if he doesn't find uh Sinatra or Tahini, that uh Sinatra is going to kill this this uh person, is gonna kill Geiger. And like you don't like you like you don't like Genesis, but what what worked for this this kind of climactic song choice usage? It was very effective. What you were going crazy about it? I thought it was great. It was kind of a dark sound, and it just it, I love the way they interspersed it throughout the episode. And so, like you know, you come to associate this song with like 
you know, watch out basically. And then you're seeing it kind of play through and like the, it's, it's automatically building up the tension, which I, I really, in a very effective way, I thought. And, and yeah, like, it's like, you, you, again, you kind of, you kind of know, like, the, like, you kind of know, okay, this guy's avenging his granddaughter, you know, cop avenging relative who was murdered sort of thing. You know, like, you've seen it before, but it's also, it just feels like everything's, like, kind of very, everything's very spare, everything's very, we're just going to get down to this, basically. And it was, the acting was great, and I think... One thing that especially impressed you was that the ending went somewhere you did not expect it to go. Can you yes. describe the climactic yes. moments of the episode? I was so happy. I was like, oh, okay. So the dumb version of this episode, the stupid version, uh, I'll, 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 here's what happens. Uh, so Magnum's running. He's got to stop Doheny from murdering this guy, even though he has a justified you know, need to do that. Sorry if you've been hearing groaning in the background while we've been talking. Our dog is being super needy, so we're going to let her in the studio and hope that she doesn't jingle jangle too much. <laughs> she just sat down. Yeah, just sit there. There you go. That's perfect. This is the dog. Now you're now she's sitting in a rocking chair in the corner like a good dog, and she'll hopefully just sit there and stop meddling in our production so so magnum chases doheny and geiger up to this rooftop doheny is beating up geiger and telling him what a piece of shit he is geiger's being you know like oh you know if you bring me back to the states my parents will hire attorneys and they'll get me off da, 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 da. like you know de definitely what not to say and magnum's running he's trying to stop Doheny and then Doheny just you know uh Geiger flashes a knife at him he knocks that out of his hand very easily and it falls off the roof and then he just shoves Geiger off the roof and he screams and he dies Magnum sees all of this Magnum sees all of this and then the cops come and Magnum's just like Magnum is like looks at Sinatra and you see Magnum thinking about what he should say because like Magnum is not number one on the police's like Christmas gift list, but he's, you know, you know, he's not a gritty hard boiled character. He's not, you know, he's like, it, like, he's not like a vigilante, you know, but you know, he just tells them, well, the guy flashed a knife and then the Hawaiian cops basically tell Sinatra to get the fuck out off the Island. And, and so what I was saying about the bad version of this, I thought it was gonna be some dumb bullshit where Magnum was going to run up and be like, stop, like, if you kill him, Doheny, you're no better than him. And it's like, no, that's <laughs> not true. I'm not saying it's good to kill people or do vigilante justice, but I, I just hate that kind of basic bullshit kind of thing. And also, no, murdering a child murderer is not, <laughs> it's not <laughs> worse than murdering a child or even equal to it. It's, it's certainly much more understandable when this is the the loved one of of the of a child victim. So I I was I was I'm like oh it's gonna be this bullshit '80s lesson, you know that's not very thought out and doesn't really fit with any of you know doesn't really fit with any of the character motivations. And then no and then I just see this guy get pushed off the roof and I was like fuck yes. So, bravo Magnum Bi, <laughs> you sated my bloodlust. <laughs> Did you think that the first time you watched it? 
Yeah, I, I expected them to take the easy way out. Yeah, like this kind of just like lesson of like, you know what, Magnum, you really saved me for making a mess of my life kind of bullshit. When we all know that most people in that situation would push that guy off the roof. Right. If they were, you know, if they knew he killed the kid, confessed to killing the kid, all the evidence point to him killing the kid, and then, you know, he's being a, you know, fucking brat about it too, you know. Do you think he pushed, he pushed Dustin yes. in front of the car? Oh, yes. That's obviously the implication. He killed these two sons of bitches and, you know, good. Great. <laughs> uh it was it was like it was a hit you know he was coming back to murder these guys because you know he he didn't he just you know they killed his grandkid you know and his like wife his 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 daughter rather is like in the hospital like in the mental hospital because of you know what happened and it's just you know ah <sighs> so it was dang and so it ends very poignantly uh how, why don't you why don't you describe that kevin because you were very affected by this scene it ends with interspersing Sinatra going to visit Laura's grave with Magnum completing the the video he has been filming. And as he completes it, we learn what it really is. It's not for a documentary. It is for a class presentation that some young relative of his is doing, some little boy of his is doing. And so I think we realize at that point that Magnum has been thinking of this little boy all throughout the episode. And so that probably helps explain why he chose to let Dahini get away with it. It was like his nephew or something, right? Yeah. And then meanwhile, Dahini is visiting Laura's grave in New York. And we see him carrying a box there, very... He's trying, he's a strong man and he's trying not to cry. He opens, he makes the sign of the, the cross. He opens up, he opens up the box and it contains a Hawaiian lei, which he very carefully, almost lovingly drapes over the stone. And he buries his face in his hands. Uh, the emotion can't be held back at this point and he's very devastated and he chokes out the words we got them it's so good it's like i don't know i don't know how i mean they they really they really pulled it off i don't know i almost feel like when we talk about it it sounds kind of basic right but like the the, 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 cul the culmination of it all just was like very affecting and very very skillfully told Heavy stuff from Magnum PI in this episode. What what else what else do you think people should know going into this one? Like what like do you know anything about the behind the scenes of like how they got Sinatra or anything like that? Uh, my understanding that Sinatra was a fan of the show and he said, If you ever have a script that you think I'd be good for, let me know. I'd love to do it. And so they immediately went and wrote up a script for it. That's awesome. I heard they gave him a few options. I hadn't heard that before, so that's interesting. It, that I got that from the Magnum Mania website. Okay, it may be true. I don't know. I mean, maybe not. Uh, Sinatra was very ill at the time it was filmed. I think he, he was uh, needing stomach surgery or something. Is that, is that correct? This is uh, 
there there was there, you know they like basically there were potential for him to even come back to do other episodes but didn't happen uh magnum only lasted another year after this right. and i think it was a short season yeah so i'm i'm curious throughout uh the history of this podcast since we went before the podcast we've watched number of uh mystery programs and you listen to a lot of music so what singers do you feel would be best to appear on what mystery programs oh shit like trying to end this on an up note here yeah gotta gotta yeah gotta pull this back up we opened with that killer stalin material Yeah, that was just that was delightful that's everyone no one will be mad (laughs) everyone will be delighted wouldn't offend anybody. No, of course not. That's not what we do here. <laughs> it was all in the highest taste possible. <laughs> and we kind of bring things down by talking about the tragic death of a child. Yeah. And now we're rising out of the ashes. Time for some fun. <laughs> They're padded nonsense. <laughs> That's why everyone keeps coming back. And by everyone, I mean all five listeners. Um, so what singer would I put in what mystery show? Okay, the uh, no, let me think about this. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? more confident, capable surgeons, and even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Uh, fuck, I don't even know. Like, okay, in any mystery show in all time, and it has to be a TV show. Open it up as wide. Just get nuts, get nuts, right? Just go fucking nuts. Why not? Uh, and I'll mention certainly other singers who appeared on mystery shows. Johnny Cash was great on an episode of Columbo. Yeah, I've, 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 I think I've seen that one. The first thing that came to mind Uh-oh. is probably a bad idea on a number of levels, but I, I'm going to throw it out there because maybe, maybe it'll say something about how my mind works. I was thinking, wouldn't it be funny if, uh, Spit it out. If uh, somehow the like the Fleetwood Mac guest starred on uh, <laughs> Murder She Wrote, <laughs> and like one of them ended up dead because there was like all these love conflicts, and it's like who killed who? Just gotta figure it out. Or maybe somebody's trying to kill one like one of them, and it's like they all because they have a you know a history of everyone sleeping with each other and you know breaking up and having it be a shit show. Death tango in the night. <laughs> Yeah, that was that was the first one that popped into my head, and then I couldn't really stop thinking about it, and I just sort of threw it out there. You're obsessed with Fleetwood Mac. Love Fleetwood Mac. Fleetwood Mac and Stalin. Those are your North Stars. That's obviously. How about yourself? Uh, I mean, Taylor Swift, I'll say this, Taylor Swift, uh, she named her cat Olivia after Olivia Benson. That's you. Gotta let Taylor Swift on. Like, what, why hasn't that even happened yet? Maybe it has. I Pitch don't know. Pitch me. Pitch me. Taylor, Ooh, who does she play? Taylor Swift. No, she's got to be a detective. You got to let her be a detective. Maybe she's like alone from like, like, like another, you know, like another state. She's FBI. She comes in. She works with Olivia. They do some cool shit, and then she bounces. 
I think you gotta let you don't you don't want to make her like a pop star who's being stalked. Like that's just you gotta put her in a position of power. She's making the power move. She's re-recording her albums. Gotta gotta give her that. That's what I would say. Do we like her, or like does she does she do something in the episode where she's like extra tough, has an extra hard edge? Does she make some more morally compromised decision? I, I uh, she can't be. She just can't be an ace because that's that's no fun. You can't like oh we're both perfect, you know? Because Olivia Benson's already perfect, right, in the show. So I I would say maybe she comes in and has to learn some stuff a little bit. You know, or you could, you could do it like, oh, you could you could give her like a Sinatra role, right? What if she's trying to avenge somebody? She used to be an FBI agent, but she quit because like she got too emotionally compromised. And she's been doing stuff, and Olivia Benson tries to talk her out of it, and then she just fucking kills whoever she needs to kill. And Olivia Benson's like, I guess I didn't see that. <laughs> And at the end, Olivia Benson pulls her aside and says, we are never, ever, ever getting back together. <laughs> That's a Taylor Swift song. Anyways, I that would be that would be a good that would be a good modern one, right? Because she's a fan of that show. That show's ridiculous in and of itself. Just get nuts. Why not do it? Who fucking cares? I'd be, I'd be like, I'd be, I'd be like sneaking cocaine into that writer's room, being like, "Let's think big with this. <laughs> Let's go nuts. <laughs> Let's get Taylor Swift here right now." Now you are known far and wide as being a huge Beatles fan. Okay, that made me sound like a sad boomer. Well, I mean, yeah, but the facts that, themselves. Yeah, that's fair. It's. 1977 Beatles have broken up all four of them are alive in the prime of their careers okay <laughs> each one wants to go on an American mystery program and I have to I have to book it all <laughs> yes Lennon I'm already getting fucking stressed out okay what year is it 1970 I, I, I need parameters so what mystery shows are on at that time? Let's what I'm gonna look at. I mean, it doesn't even have to be a contemporary show. You have a time machine. Okay, okay. I have a time machine. But it is a magical mystery tour of mystery <laughs> shows. Okay, let's see. Uh, let me just look up a mystery. Like, I need a list because I otherwise I'm not gonna remember stuff. I think Ringo has to go on some really hacky, yeah. schlocky show. Scooby like Doo. Scooby Vegas. Doo. Scooby Doo. Vegas. Okay, I don't even know what that is. What? What well, is? mine at brand name recognition. Okay, what does he do on Scooby Doo? He's just he's just there. He's just doing one of those like, you know, the, like when they meet like Laurel and Hardy and and three. So he's playing himself, or is it just yeah? Somewhat? He's just I'm Ringo. I'm here. Uh, oh no, there's a haunted uh, drum factory that I need to get my drums out of, and you know, everyone fucks around, and it's the the ghost of the little drummer boy. You know, maybe maybe make it a Christmas thing, and then so it has a religious angle. Yeah, does so it take place during the nativity? <laughs> I, I did too many drugs before mentioning this. <laughs> so then are the others the three wise men? <laughs> no, they're not in it. They want to know part of it. Willie Nelson on the wire. I think that would have worked. Willie Nelson on the wire? Yeah. I could totally see that. What would he what would he be doing? 
uh, he's kind of a down on the his luck father, who uh, whose kids don't respect him, and he's trying to get off drugs, but he's doing it on the streets, and he somehow gets involved in something he shouldn't be involved in, and the episode ends with his death. Oh, I love that. Why didn't they do that? Okay. Paul McCartney. Back to your Scooby Doo stuff. Paul Paul McCartney and uh, Paul and Linda McCartney, famously in love, power couple, Wings. They got to be on heart to heart, right? <laughs> They're also, I mean, like, right? It's like they could all just be like basking in the glow of like, look how in love and wonderful we are, you know, like that. Do some dumb shit. Yeah, I could, I could see that. Do they play themselves? Or do they play characters. If so, they play like they play themselves, but with different names. Give them some dignity, but. But they're basically playing themselves, like in the hearts. They're like, "Oh, our good friends," you know. Are they glorified walk-ons? Or are they integral to the plot? No, they're integral to the plot. They do like they like they. It's what like, is the plot? It's like the plot is basically let's do a heart-to-heart episode, but make it a double date, the double date of mystery. That's oh, that's the tagline, and they. Uh, they, you know, if uh, someone, hey, you know, we, you own the record label that, you know, Heart, Heart Records, and someone's been trying to sabotage our concerts, and there's been, they've been sending threatening notes to us, so we need to get on Threatening this. notes? I know, yeah. <laughs> You're oh, always funny. That could be the title. <laughs> see, this one, right, you know, I, I, that, this, yeah, this one can write itself, honestly. Couldn't you see that? I could, I could see that. I could literally see, I could, like, literally see it in my mind. I'm like hallucinating this right now. Jesus. Next. Mm, I had one. Uh, couldn't you kind of see George Harrison on the Rockford Files playing like kind of like, because it's all like beach hobos, right? Mm-hmm. He's like some local guy who's like strumming a guitar in the background. He's not He's not super into the plot. Maybe he has a couple of funny moments, but I, I, I think he's, I think that would be him. Okay. What would you say? Give me John. That's hard. I'm gonna think about this. I think you. I I think with John you could do. I think you could do Columbo. I think you could give him like a Columbo villain. You know, and I think you, but you could also potentially do, a. Uh, what was the one I had? You could do a Kojak villain too, I think. Yeah, I think I'd go with Kojak. Uh, yeah, right, kind of New York City, I think. That's the Yeah, cuz uh, Columbus, California. Give him give him he's more of a New York City guy. Give him Kojak. Kojak villain. He's doing something bad. I don't know what exactly he's doing, but it's not good. And he, and he, you know, he back and forth back and forth with Kojak, very sinister. Try to get that sinister energy. He had a lot of anger issues, so maybe play that up. But yeah, that would be that would be pretty good. You know, I was thinking uh, Elvis famously Ooh. went to Nixon uh-huh. asking for credentials as a drug agent because Elvis wanted to. Elvis felt there was a lot of drugs being uh, sold and distributed at rock concerts, oh. and he felt that he could do some undercover work oh as a performer, perhaps bust up these drug rings. Jeez. Which is absurd on a number of levels that are too many to go into in our limited time here. But doesn't that sound like a great premise for a TV series? Yes. Yes. No, not at all. Okay, is it played for laughs or is it uh, totally serious? Totally serious about Elvis going over to to help the kids 
bust up drug rings with his karate moves and inspire a country to just say no. Sounds like a, it sounds like a good premise for like a Coen Brothers film or something. Ellis was well known for his straight edge lifestyle. Didn't die in any unfortunate circumstances due to drug use or anything. No. Not at all. <laughs> Don't even worry about it. <laughs> Don't even ask. You don't have to worry about that one. That's awful. Jesus. Was he was he really serious about that? Who knows what was going through his drug addled mind at that point. That's fair. So we did we did our we did our what, pretty much all of our singers, I guess. Is there anyone else we can we can slot into something? Uh well Miss Rodrigo. Oh, Olivia Rodrigo. I don't know what's like a good modern day mystery. We already did SVU. Taylor got Taylor has to get first dibs of that. I mean, you got you already got Selena Gomez on uh on only Give murders her in the building. New. Yeah. So should Olivia Rodrigo just get her own mystery show? Who does she play? She, she could be. Well, I don't know. What are the big mysteries of the day? And her songs, are, you know, her her debut album "Sour" was like a lot about like the interrelationship dramas. I think you know. Do you want to make her a pop star who's like investigating bad shit in the in the industry, or do you want to make her just an average gal who's just you know a high school sleuth sleuthing? Yeah, so everyone's got a sleuth sometime in high school. Kind of like a Nancy Drew situation. Yeah, I I support it. I, I like her, and I think that would be. Adele could do some fun, like, English series, I feel like, but, like, limited, just, you know. She's kind of like a an average mom out in the country of England, and she's she's figuring some shit out about some sinister goings-on. I could see that. What about Ferlin Husky? Who the f- <laughs> Who? Is that Lanny's friend? <laughs> Husky? No, she doesn't have any friend do- friends that are dogs. She's literally sitting in the corner in a rocking chair looking at us. It's bizarre. But do continue. She's Who's like a... Whistler's mother over there. Yeah, she's looking. <laughs> she's looking at you with side eye. She knows what you said. You should apologize. I'm very sorry, Lanny, to compare you to a masterpiece of art. Of an old woman? She's a spring chicken, and you know it. Don't call her a chicken. Oh, you're scared of chickens. <laughs> Forgot your bizarre fear. I just wanted to toss out a name you wouldn't know that sounded funny. Who is it? So it's a good a country singer. I mean, we I mean like Angela Lansbury was a was a was a you know theater star. So was uh, Jerry Orbach and and even the guy who played Barba on SVU. He was Love. in he was in Company. Love Sondheim. R.I.P. So now we work so hard to bring things up, and then we end by talking about the tragic death of America's greatest composer. Well, it's hard to- Bring it back up again. It's hard to focus with this dog rooting- What mystery show would you slot Lanny into, just to give her something to do? Have we discussed on Mystery to Me a program called The Lilist Hobo? People need to know what the- Yes. I don't think we've done an episode, but people need to know what The Littlest Hobo is. The, The Littlest Hobo- is uh, the tragic tale of a dog that is unable to form lasting emotional connections with others. So it just constantly wanders around. 
people <laughs> fall in love with it and then it breaks their heart because it moves on somewhere else and then every episode ends with happy people saying oh dog we love you come over here and the dog kind of looks at them and then kind of just shakes his head and turns and trots off this is why we're bringing the episode down because we know our dog doesn't love us <laughs> <laughs> Lanny is has a wandering heart and a wandering spirit, and if she could just go from town to town, rescuing people, solving mysteries, and uh, inspiring locals, you know, she would do that. You, you can't really do that as a dog in a safe way, especially when you're a, a pit bull. But she doesn't <laughs> seem to understand that or appreciate our views on the matter. Yeah, she could do a Littlest Hobo reboot. I think, you know, the the show, if we wanted to be really a mystery show, you'd have to really focus on more of the mystery kind of crime situations as opposed to uh, just, you know, run-of-the-mill, oh, there's a forest fire, oh, your kid needs medicine, whatever. She doesn't deal with that shit. This is not, that's not her job. She does the mysteries. So would you pitch Lanny as this generation's McGruff? Yeah. No, I, I would pitch her as this generation's littlest hobo because that's her whole aesthetic, that's her whole life. Honestly, Pitbulls could probably use some sort of PR boost at this point. So, you know, give that to her. She can she can carry that, you know. Don't let any other animals on the set or there will be uh, consequences. But, you know, uh, she, she ne- she'll never bite a human. <laughs> Didn't she nearly tell my thumb off this summer? That wasn't her fault. <laughs> and also, that that's unconfirmed. <laughs> Lanny got into a fight with another dog. And I'm pretty sure it was the other dog that, that actually got you. Nearly tore my thumb off. Yes. <laughs> Lanny was blameless in the affair. You always take Lanny's side in these things. Yeah, I gotta. I, someone's gotta. She's a good dog. She's just. She's just, she, she's got some issues. <laughs> she's a great dog, though. Oh, now she's looking all sad on her chair. We're just all over the place. <laughs> Are we ready for my five star final, or is there anything else we wanted to talk about? Hit us. I'm 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 hitting us. I would say just simply that I'm very glad that we watched this episode of Magnum PI tonight, tonight, tonight. Thanks for listening this week. I'd like to give a special thanks to Kevin T. Greenley, who's no relation to me. He's the guy that composed the great music for this podcast, and you can find him on the web at kevintg.com. You can follow us on Twitter at mystery to me. That's mystery underscore to underscore me underscore. And at mystery to me podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And you can always send us recommendations and feedback of any kind at mystery to me podcast at gmail.com. We're not teens setting up Hotmail accounts in the early 2000s, so all of those spell out two as T-O. Thanks Thanks so so much much for listening. listening.